All righty, guys. We are back, baby. We are back. And suffice to say that in the interim months since I've been gone, uh, I, I got to confess to the good people. I have been doing too much. I have, I have conquered all of Hogwarts. I am what Voldemort inspires himself to be. And now I have undertaken another mission. The mission to be the darkest of darkest lords. And I ain't talking skin color. I'm talking in a galaxy far, far away. I've undertaken my journey to be the ultimate Sith Lord. But welcome back to uh, to the podcast, y'all. What is up? So I'm Demetrius. And I'm Demetrius. And Meet to Meet presents... The Blurred City Podcast. All right, we are back for season three. Like me said, we we both took a break and somehow ended up even busier than we we are like before we left. So uh, we had a lot planned. Uh, season three, we have a special guest on. Meech, if you want to quickly introduce. Uh, yes. So we have ourselves a returning champion, a returning citizen of the Blurred City. We got ourselves the one, the only Maron Jojoda. Thank you for having me back on the show again. Uh, this is going to be a very fun episode. And um, yeah, this uh, reviewing the uh, Guardians 3, uh, this should, this is definitely going to be fun. Yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, just like that we're going to get into, definitely a bigger episode with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, closing up the trilogy. But before we do any of that, we always hit you with the legal spiegel. All right, so let's make sure that none of us forgot what this is. So the purpose of this podcast is to explore digital and print media. All sources we reference are owned by their respective companies, and our thoughts and opinions are strictly our own and reflect no biases or corporate agendas. Your discretion is advised. All right, so just for a quick preview of season three, what we have to expect, we're kind of going from now until around Labor Day-ish weekend. So next week, you can expect a new segment. It's going to be Star Wars-based, redoing most of the trilogy or parts of the movie with another special guest that we are so excited to have. After that, we're going to start getting into our comic and Comic-Con bag uh, towards the end of May. June is pure movie time. We have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse going into Transformers, Rise of the Beast, then into The Flash, and then for a special movie, The Blackening. Yeah! <laughs> Which is going to be an out-of-pocket podcast, I can already tell. For July, we're going to get more into our cartoon bag. We have not like really touched on cartoons too much so far, and then we're going to get into a cartoon draft, talk about our dream con experience. I, I may be able to sneak in after my, my rant from previous times, and then an anime character study on one of the most important anime characters of the past 20 years, in my opinion. So with that, Meech, um, anything else you want to plug real quickly? Oh, uh, yes. I definitely just want to touch upon just all of the things that we we, Demetria just touched upon and just talked about, but also one more thing is the fact that we are going to be hammering in our Patreon, right? We are essentially going to have a bunch of content coming out on our Patreon. We're going to be recording out the wazoo to ensure that all of our faithful Patreon viewers get the content that they rightfully deserve, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be very like experimental. It's going to be a lot of different character analyses, a lot of different uh, 
it's just going to be a lot more, okay? And I definitely just want to hammer in, just want to and strongly encourage for our listeners, like, if you want to see, like, the more experimental side of Blurred City, the, the uh, construction on on I, on 610, if you will, uh, or 290, if you will, or where, wherever your, your most famous highway is that notorious for always being under construction, right? I just want to strongly encourage you guys to, like, to be in that uh, space and to definitely be in our Patreon so that way we can, of course, experience more great content and provide some cheddar for the table. Yeah, so we have our $3 tier, which is the uh, Substitute Shinigami tier, which, and then following that, that's their $5 tier. We have our Bankai tier, which gives you early access to episodes, exclusive content, exclusive voting power. And then for our final tier, our Gote 13, it's our $7 a month, uh, early access to episodes, fan requests, and then just a private community to connect with. All right, so going from there, we get into our what's hot. Since this is a movie review episode, let's speed run it. Everything that we miss, everything that people need to catch up with. All right, uh, so Moran Jojo, do you have anything? Uh, maybe one. It's not very nerd related, but uh, uh, the NBA playoffs started about a month ago. Uh, second round right now. Uh, so it's getting very intense. Uh, I know one of the series was very interesting, uh, the Warriors-Kings series. Um, that one took seven games. So that was fun. And then it's Lakers and Warriors. I'm not a fan of either of those teams, but that's just a fun series with LeBron, Curry, and just their history. Um, unfortunately, my team's not in the playoffs, you know. Uh, so that was a huge bummer. But, you know, it's, it's still the best time of the year for me. So that's what I got. All right, Mitch. All right, so I'm just going to speed run through a bunch, and then uh, Demetrius can come in and help me uh, fill in the gaps. All right, so currently we're going to, you know how I like to do in tiers. Starting with anime, Demon Slayer, crazy, uh, Vinland Saga, amazing, goaded. All right, I, I don't need to say no more. And then uh, and then Attack on Titan, whenever that comes back out, uh, I am prepared. Uh, 2025. Yep, uh, hopefully I'll... I'll be able to experience it with my grandkids. Okay, so moving on, moving on to the comic sphere. In Marvel, it's the summer of symbiotes, so we're just getting a bunch of symbiote-related comics. Uh, You know, we're getting ourselves Carnage Reigns, which is actually kind of goaded right now. Uh, We got ourselves uh, the Cult of Carnage, uh, Cult of Carnage Misery, which I'm like, hmm, interesting. But uh, but yeah, keeping it moving, keeping it moving. Vanish is going crazy over there in in Image Comics. Uh, Me and the boys, we, we type. Uh, they also announced uh, Project 8, which uh, is actually just the working title. They haven't released the actual title, but I've seen the concept images as well as the footage. Uh, keep it on moving. Keep it on moving. We got ourselves Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the Black Vampire comic, which kind of, uh, this latest issue kind of went kind of dummy uh, for no reason whatsoever. So if you haven't gotten on that train, then get on it now. Uh, we got ourselves Spawn. Spawn be, be spawning. Uh, and then moving on, we got ourselves Death Shroud by Dream Key Comics with uh, my boy Chad Larson. He he made a great a great series inspired by Spawn. And uh, that there's more about that later as I talk about it because we're speed running today. Games, Jedi Survivor, Dummy, Hogwarts Legacy, Dummy, uh, and moving on. <laughs> 
moving on. And then in terms of TV, we got Star Wars Visions. Uh, I probably should have put this under the anime scene, but it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's kind of both, but I don't care. And then also, if you haven't seen Jury Duty on uh, on Amazon, do it. It is a hilarious time. I I almost died. Going, I almost went to the hospital. Uh, and then in terms of movies, Evil Dead Rise, uh, me and Demetrius went and saw it. Yep. And I had a great time. So Tim, I. on the other hand. Hey, I didn't bring my blanket, so we're good. Yeah, so, but yeah, that that's what I had. Speedrunning, what you got? All right, you covered literally everything. The only other thing I may add is that beef on Netflix I heard is incredible. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's absolutely incredible. But with that, none of that, none of that matters. The important thing, our boy passed the LSAT. The rogue Jedi is on the path to being a lawyer. So congratulations. That's what we did in the interim. Well, that's what he did in the interim. So congrats with that. You know, the, the dark lord of the law scene. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I just. I just wear many hats, okay? And I just merge them all in one. All right. So with that, we get into our pre-spoiler shot for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Is there anything that people need to know beforehand? Anything you want to, you guys want to share? Uh, yes. Um, I'm hoping there's some people out there who are not going to see this movie and haven't been caught with some of the other movies because I went to the theaters last night. Uh, was a few people that aren't really that caught with like the, some of the Guardians or like the Avengers movie because I have to specifically tell them, you need to watch this before you go to the third one. If not, you're going to be so confused of what's going on and why people are crying for a reason. You know, if people did cry, uh, we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, um, hopefully you guys are caught up with it before you see the third one because I don't want to hear any questions. All right, Mitch. Yeah, I definitely want to say, like, this is definitely probably the most emotional of the Guardians movies, and it's definitely, like, one of those that it, it focuses on one specific character. Uh, if you guys seen all the trailers, you know it's about Rocket, and uh, and yeah, just his story. So definitely just expect, like, this This was just a great emotional roller coaster, and there are many twists and turns that, that it decided to go. And James Gunn decided to to uh, end end things with Marvel on a with with a bang. Yeah, for me, um, I would definitely say if you have time, go see this movie. Uh, go see it twice, three times if you have the opportunity to. Uh, there's yeah, so there's a lot that we can get into with it. Uh, we're not going to spoil it, so um, we're getting into spoilers in three, two, one, blast off. Popping it off, we uh, start with Rocket, just kind of listening to music, going around. We see the Guardians on the head of nowhere. So essentially um, taking place right after the Christmas special episode, we see that Pete is down bad, which we will touch on much later. And just with that, just like keeping um, it short, uh, immediately Adam Warlock comes out. He's been hyped up, so we know who that is uh, coming into the movie. And he is on straight demon time. He uh, puts the boots to all of the Guardians and 
essentially like shoots rocket with like his uh, energy beam and it seems like okay rocket's about to get taken out and the only way they kind of beat him is because right nebula snuck him and then leading to the plot of the movie they try to put the med pack on rocket it will it rejects it we find out that he has a uh, it's like a not a death time kill switch on his heart and they're like whoa how does he have a kill switch on his heart what is this they figure out where it's uh where it's from and then they go into it from there so guys want to take it uh yeah yeah i definitely just want to uh take it from there because from there you start seeing slowly slowly but sure you start seeing flashbacks and to rocket's backstory i see he was just in a litter of different raccoons and then experimented on and then eventually he's in a cage with group 89 which consists of Three other uh, roboticized uh, animals. You got a ferret, which uh, with uh, robot arms. You got a a rabbit with with spider legs, and then you got a walrus with a uh, with uh, with in a wheelchair, uh, basically. Oh, that was wild. That scene was like, how did you guys feel about that scene when it first popped up? Well, you forgot about the rabbit with the metal like mouth. Meets. Yeah, like metal mouth and spider legs. Yeah, mechanical spider legs. That that was the more important bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that scene there, I mean, like it was pretty sad. Kind of like, especially with the music being in the background, and like Rocket said, like hurts. Well, I'm just like, dang, you know. I mean, I, I didn't cry. It just, it just felt sad to me, you know. Like I, there was someone who was sitting right next to me who was crying. I'm just like, dang, you know, that's just. Is it? I mean, Robbie was basically tortured, you know, when he was just made. It's just, yeah. 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 And that's crazy. Like three to four months ago, I don't know if you guys played the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Um, but so I knew that uh, Rockets, like obviously Rockets, like he got experimented on. But until the, I played the game, I didn't know it was like, oh, you were like a literal science experiment type of experimentation where he's getting dissected. And we'll get into that later when they touch on it. So like seeing that uh, was just like really heartbreaking because it was just like, yo, these are like getting tortured animals, and like they have, you know, that bond through the time, and they're just like stuck in those two cages and to a part later in the movie we'll get to, it's like when they, when something happened, it felt really good to see that temporarily. So moving on with the plot, if you want to take that, Mitch. Oh, uh, yeah. So because of that, they realized that uh, in order to save Rocket's life, they need to go to Orgoscope, which is uh, owned by Orgocore, which is owned by the High Evolutionary of Oppler, 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 and uh, and yeah. So like, in order to do that, they essentially you see that uh, they need to go to this organic planet, uh, which which I'm like, bro. They and then they end up meeting up with the Ravagers, who, which hey, you see Sylvester Stallone once again, but also you get the time displaced Gamora, who is on serious demon timing uh, because, you know, obviously this was back when she was, she didn't have her heel turn uh, to the side of good. And she just out here for doing everything for the money. Of course, you got tension with Quill because, you know, he, he still hung up on baby girl uh, being thrown off a cliff uh, (laughs) and just how, and just see like their interaction. And then also you see just how much uh, Drax is, out here being the the dumbest man alive when when he tries to talk with uh Quill and then just 
at the behest of his his sister uh Mantis, but then that just ends up ends up just collapsing in and of itself. But yeah, they they break into Oreo Core, and they, of course, you know, they have split up. You know, standard heist mission, um, where we got Quill, he Quill, Gamora, and Nebula. They are just trying to get the get the information needed to save Rocket's life in a pretty hilarious uh string of events. And then you got Mantis with Drax, obviously, as they try to find like a way off the ship, off the planet. Because their uh, suits all got sent into the airlock, <laughs> so they're so that's literally flown out in space. And you're just like, bro. Uh, one thing to know is that the comedy is hilarious in this movie. I yes. think the highlight is, of course, uh, Mantis and Drax. Uh, they they carry this entire, well, they carry the comedy uh, almost completely on their backs, and and I'm just like. I'm here for it. I'm I'm Team Mantis all day. I'm, I'm just saying, uh, but but yeah. So essentially, as you know, with all heist movies, nothing goes according to plan, and you got yourselves uh, them basically in a whole a whole uh, situation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that um, taking over, essentially, like Pete and Gamora, they're trying to. And Nebula, they're trying to convince this one worker to uh, give them kind of just like the information and file on Rocket's previous uh, life. And so that's just like a funny scene because really Pete is like really struggling with Gamora there. And if you think about it, it's like you're literally seeing the person that you love and they don't even really like like that life you spent with them doesn't exist to them. And that person isn't there. And it's kind of like going throughout the movie, Gamora's like, yo, that's not me. Um, and it's not fair to me for you to like put those feelings on me. But at the same time, she does understand that, hey, Pete, I know you loved a version of me. I'm just like, I can't be that. So with that, uh, they're able to get the file. And it's just like a lot of back and forth between them and just Nebula having to watch. It was hilarious. Yeah, like not not only that, but like Nebula even was in contact with Gamora, you know, and she even knew that Gamora was part of Ravengers and didn't even tell P- Peter because honestly, <laughs> uh, Peter was going to freak out if he, if he found out, you know, because there was that one scene where he's like telling Nebula, you've been in contact with Gamora this entire time. He's like, why did you not tell me? Because you will freak out. He's like, <laughs> you, 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 y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think there's plenty of reasons why Nebula did not want to tell you that Gamora was with the Rajin Dragon Juice. <laughs> yeah, and it was cool because like Nebula and Gamora, like they have been sisters. So like that Gamora time space still has that connection with a nebula, not before she like turned, but they still have that connection together. So moving forward, they're able to get the file, but things are going awry. I thought Drax was got taken out. I thought yeah. like, I thought he was dead. Uh, okay. when that the first one, the first oh, one. Oh, okay. You know, when he got shot in the chest. Yeah, he got shot in the chest and then shot in the back. I was like, oh, it's over people dying for real. Um, and They show that in the trailers, but I'm just like, 
He's not gonna get killed off. Well, they showed him getting carried away, but they didn't like show when he got shot. So like, I was like, oh no, this isn't good. But then Pete is able to um kind of just like do his thing and get into the people's suits and hack it. And then they're able to escape with that. In the meantime, we also see the high evolutionary uh, and Adam Warlock, he's, he's actually the creator of the Sovereign, which is like the people in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, just like the, go the golden people. Um, and like with that, what I really loved about this movie, um, this is how you nerf a character without it being stupid. Looking at you, Boruto with Naruto and Sasuke. So like in the lead up to the movie, uh, people are like, oh, Adam Warlock, he's immortal. Excellent. Like if you read his list of powers, like he should body everybody in the universe except for like Sentry, maybe. Um, but it's like, oh, you pulled him out of the cocoon too early. He's supposed to be more powerful than that. And he's just a child and he's actually really dumb in the movie, which is hilarious. But with that, uh, so like he's not as overpowered as he should be, but he still is a strong character, which I really loved about how they handled that. Yeah, and you still get the potential like, hey, he's going to eventually lead up, become the Adam Warlock, who's a yes. demon. Yes. So with that, they get the file, um, they get back on board. I don't believe, is this the moment where they uh, view what happened to Rocket? Yeah. And man, that was so painful. So Nebula is able to like kind of hack into the file and they're showing what happened to Rocket uh, as like as a child and why he doesn't talk about his past. And the way the camera panned around every one of them and just like, it felt like all of them were like, the acting in this movie was incredible. It felt like all of them were like seeing something that they shouldn't have seen. Like it was a perversion on like uh, his past. Like they really didn't want to see it and the pain it brought them. And just like the anger that Pete had and like carried throughout the rest of the movie was like for Nebula to say like this is worse than what happened to me with Thanos is insane. I still can't buy it, buy into that because I'm like Thanos like took every part of her body and like put and turned into a robot, a cybernetic android. But I'm like for Rocket's torture be worse. I, I just not I'm just not so sure. I mean no, don't get me wrong. I mean it's still so horrible like hearing all those torture screams from him but that's just my take on that I, I honestly think like it perhaps could have been worse because here's the thing you like in the terms of nebula like you see like she talks about like hey this is what thanos did to me the fact rocket never at never once spoke about it even to his best friends Groot and Quill, like to the two people he's closest to, and he never once spoke about it, kind of lets you know like what happens is kind of messed up. Also, they never show exactly what the High Evolutionary did to, to Rocket. Like it was clever, uh, clever filming technique where you only see part, you just see Rocket on the uh, table and then and then as it cuts to each individual person and you see their reaction, you just hear the scream, you hear the experiment happening, but not actually see it, which leads it to the imagination of the person as to what did this man do? And then I think this is like the first episode, uh, movie or like 
that he was in where you actually saw like the cybernetics in his uh, body and stuff like that on like his back and in, in his chest and then even like uh, the beginning with his head like shaved off and stuff like that so and cheeks so it was definitely just like wild from there so the next plot is that one of the high evolutionaries people that he also created um kind of had like the past code that they needed to uh, get past the uh kill switch they had so they had to go to a planet um so meech like I said before, the furries have been listening to us, and you are losing. They are swinging with a vengeance. So um, with that, in one of the flashbacks, we see that uh, Rocket, the high evolutionary, is trying to create a utopia with the animals and create them to be more human-like. So Rocket is able to figure out uh, the code or whatever the fix is that turned them into stable because how the high evolutionary had them, he would turn like, say, a turtle, it would grow, and then it would go crazy uh, because it couldn't handle that quick evolution. But Rocket was able to manage to fix that, so he built a utopia called Counter-Earth, and it's a completely <laughs> furry society, Meech. Mm, so uh, so this this your people's, this your people, furry? <laughs> Oh no! Nah, don't think I I forgot. Nah, I ain't losing this war. We we, we keep going because uh because well, firstly, Counter Earth. That if you guys remember Spider Man Unlimited, uh, that, yes, that took place on Counter Earth. That also dealt with the High Evolutionary. That also had uh anthropomorphic animals, uh, book or anthropomorphic people. But um, unlike uh that society, well, actually, much like that society. You 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 first y'all y'all still down horrendous and it was even stated as such by the high evolutionary like oh yeah so y'all society still got war y'all still got uh people that against one another y'all still got drugs y'all still got guns that's crazy that's crazy um but but moving on so they're on the they're on counter earth and essentially like of course team splits again firstly you have Nebula Drag well. All the crew they're at in the uh out. yeah, they're out. And then you, you actually have Gamora who in her infinite wisdom decided to call up the Ravagers to like get to get her out of here, not knowing that uh that one of them got captured and now the sovereign knows their location, aka Adam Warlock about to come in for blood, uh mm -hmm. round, for for the continual smoke. And then you got yourself, uh, and also in that moment, Gamora also seeing like, hey, they are going through a lot to save you, Rocket. Like, what it is, what is it about you that makes them love you so much? And then she sees like qu go through Quill stuff. I'm like, girl, what's wrong with you? Uh, go through this man's stuff, through his privacy. Sees like the photo with him and his family, him and his human family, uh, before. No, the clapping by his mother, uh, by cancer, but that was impacted by ego. But but we're not talking about that. But and that kind of gave her a semi change of heart, if you will. Uh, but yeah, so of course now you got uh, Groot, Nebula, and Quill. They went straight to the high evolutionaries uh, chamber. But there's also there's one part uh, here. It was the funniest part in the entire movie. <laughs> that happened when um nebula is trying to open the door oh the, and the first ever f-bomb in all of marvel where she cannot open the door to a whole 1970s uh car and i'm just here like it's just i'm sorry go ahead how how do you not how 
worked with technology your entire life yet this is what gets you crazy it's just so weird like now this is like the first MCU film to say the F word. It's just so weird to hear Chris Pratt say the F word because he just doesn't look like that type of guy who will say, it. I mean, yeah, he has cuts in the Guardians films, but like, I can't imagine him like saying the F word, but I think that just wasn't his choice. That was more so James Gunn. That's all I gotta say, you know? Uh, but yeah, I was just like, I mean, I, I saw it coming, you know, because they even had a little preview of it. Mm-hmm. They even like had articles saying that the first F word is going to be used. Yeah, that was all I saw. I didn't know it was going to be in that context. It was my theater was cracking up at that part when it happened. So with that, they split again. Um, Peter tells Drax and Mantis to guard the ship so they can protect Rocket, and then him, Groot, and Nebula go to the High Evolutionary. So essentially, uh, they know it's a trap, so it's a face-off, and they tell Nebula to stay outside. And then obviously Drax and Mantis don't listen. So with that, we see how high of an op the high evolutionary really is. And let me tell you something. This is one of the best Marvel villains in a long, long time in terms of getting you to hate them. Not like feel for them like Killmonger, not to like philosophically think they're right like uh, Thanos, to actually hate them. Because like you uh, mentioned, Meech, uh, he, when Peter was like, oh, you built the perfect society, huh? Well, how come there's drug dealers and stuff like that? Like, we saw all this crap and it's like, yeah, you're right. I guess I have to destroy it. And he immediately just like, just like take the ship up and the planet just starts blowing up immediately. Like there's no way to save these people whatsoever. Like you literally just see families getting straight blown up and it's insane. Like even with that part, Adam Warlock comes back, he has a quick fight with uh, Gamora and then he sees the planet blowing up and he tries to go save his mom. And right before he's able to save her, it blows up as well. So. The high evolutionary in this movie was complete, like, villain that I absolutely respected. And I kind of low-key wanted the king that we saw to be, like, the high evolutionary in terms of just destruction. Well, I mean, I kind of felt the same thing about uh, Namor when he killed uh, Queen Wamanda. I know I'm talking about Khan forever, but we're talking about, like, a villain that we hate. I was like, I wanted that to happen to Nemo because I'm like, you don't just kill someone's only family member. I wanted, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go into detail of that, but that's kind of how I felt. Mm-hmm. I mean, this villain, yeah, I did feel a little bit of that. That's my take. See, the thing with Namor, not to get too off topic, I feel like it was still a philosophical thing with yeah. him, where it's like, I got to protect my people. So that's kind of, we're high evolutionaries, so it's like, I'm going to destroy everything because you're a science expert. Meet you have something? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, uh, High Evolutionary, he, he kind of on his freezer bag. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he races to everything, and he blows up plants. I'm, I, don't, I don't know what to, what to say. Like, we could be ourselves the next closest thing to freezer. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, um, again, uh, Peter sees the, the setup, so they, like, kind of blow things up. They take the dude who uh, has the passcodes in his head. And one of the coolest scenes in a Marvel movie, like they, uh, he jumps out the window, Groot follows him. And then when Groot saves him, Groot sprouts wings. I like almost like shouted because of how cool I thought that was. So they were able to get the codes from there and get back on the ship. 
um, and go to Rocket. But in the interim, we also see that uh, Mantis, Drax, and Nebula are on the ship as it's taking off into space because they think that Peter is on the ship. So it's kind of like a thing where you have to go back and forth. That was a cool part of when, you know, before Groot chopped and spread his wings, it was the part where, like, uh, Peter was like, tell Groot, you know, kill them all, you know? And Groot's like, well, first he takes a bomb off of his chest and then just throws it. And then the cool part is where, like, he gets all the guns out. I thought it was a really cool scene, you know, like, him and uh, Star Lord just doing it together and just shooting all at the same time, like behind each other. I thought it was pretty dope. So you want to know what the funny part about that was? And I just like, oh, see, I'm doing that. So the fact that uh, Groot was like using his sandals to hold multiple guns and the fact that like, he was spreading wings, those ex- those things were exactly what was done by Agent Venom. Ooh, exactly. Yeah when he was on the Guardians. So That's I'm just like, so y'all, so y'all just, uh, so you just, so Groot, you just gonna take Agent Venom's whole flow? You know, take his whole, and the fact like he was able to turn his hands to claws, I'm like, oh nah, you 100% ripping off Venom. That's, nah, we do not abide by this. Give me Flash. Yeah, that's pretty maybe cool. the third film, the third Venom film, maybe he'll do that, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, not with Eddie, not with Eddie. But, <laughs> but move, moving on to the, to the saddest part of his uh, to, of of Rocket's story. Oh man. Okay. So what happens is that um, he because of the fact like Rocket, he realized like like he was able to tell the High Evolutionary like, hey, uh, this is like what you're doing wrong with this in order to make it work. And then High Evolutionary, he kind of going nuts. He's like, hold on. How were you able to figure this out, but I couldn't? It's like it's because you worked. You work like you are like your success and an experience like all, and then you get to see all the anthropomorphic of animal people because it works and they're no longer violent. They're no longer uh, hostile to to them. And and then of course with that, Rock is immediately going like, all right. So this is time for us to go to the new world because that's exactly what he'd been promised. Like, hey, you're going to be part of the new world. Like, we, like you are part of our new society. Nope. He said, nah, it's because of that. You, you did your job. You figured everything out for me. And now I need to kill you to get your brain so I can transmit like what it is that made you that smart into all of the other ones. Execute him, execute all of Group 89, and and then Rocket, like, he gets sent back to the cage where, unfortunately, he tells, like, the crew, well, he didn't even need to tell them. He he just said, like, we're not leaving. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's all needed for all of them to go, oh, we're going to die, aren't we? But Rocket, he, he managed to take all of the equipment, makes himself a key to unlock their cages to where... Hey, now uh, Lila, who's the ferret, like they they finally get to truly hug and interact, you know, like it was in the trailer. And you think like, okay, 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 this is where they reunite, like this is where things is good, things is great. Bam, gunshot. 
Yo, fam, that trailer hit us with the nasty Euro step because I thought that was future Rocket or present like timeline Rocket reuniting with present timeline Lila. No, that was in the past. And then like when they hug each other and immediately got shot, that was a bigger like jump scare to me than um in Evil Dead Rise because it was so unexpected. Like I knew she was going to probably die. I just thought they would like get to the ship and then almost die. But for her to just like get shot on sight like that was like so shocking. And then so the high evolutionary is like, yeah, I knew you would do that. Come on, man, get back in the cage. Um, and then so he tells everybody else, Rocket is having like a mental breakdown. Teeth uh, and Floor, uh, who's the rabbit, they're both like freaking out. They're like, Rocket, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And then um, so the people come down, they have a shootout with Rocket and Rocket takes them out and then he turns around and then Teeth and Floor just both shot like, completely dead on the ground and you're just like oh my god devastation and then he completely like destroys the face of the high evolutionary and is able to escape and then when he's like he's currently dying as they try to like get past the kill switch he he meets them in the afterlife and he asks if he could fly with them for in the sky one time oh my gosh that scene like legit brought tears to my eyes i was sad when that happened yep yep and and like as that's happening, he flatlines too, and you're just like, no, they, they took our boy. Mm-hmm. Took our boy. Yeah. Quill, Quill is in distraught. My audience was in distraught. I was just here like, <laughs> I, was, I was just shook it. Oh, mm-hmm. what, what about you, Moran Jojo? How, how was that scene for you? Yeah, that, I mean, I didn't cry, but I was like, dang, like, because it, it just made me think about, you know, like, because I saw this, you know, this movie three times. And the second time I went to go see it with my my brother, and I know he's gonna hear this podcast episode when I share this with him. Uh, but he's like an animal lover in a way. But I I thought going to this movie, he was gonna get very like disturbed. He's thirteen right now. But originally, this film was supposed to come out in twenty twenty. But obviously, you know, James Gunn got fired. At that time, if it would have came out in 2020, let's just say, and he would have been like nine or ten. If he would have saw that, he would have like asked me, let's let's leave right now. Like he didn't want to see that that kind of stuff. But uh I think since he's a little older, he was he was able to maintain that. But moving on, like I, I just did not expect that. There was definitely some like animal cruelty, you know, for sure. But I was managed to like handle it you know but i think the part where like rocket i i mean i get he was very angry at the high evolutionary but like that scene where he's like scratching his face off his face i know we'll probably get into that more that was a little disturbing i felt like and you can see blood from his mouth i was just like man that's just crazy yeah yeah so like just like he literally like his friends that have been cages like this entire time he watched all of them die in front of him and so with that we when uh lila he's in the afterlife lila says yes you can come fly with us and then he starts walking towards him as he flight lands like Mitch says and then she's like but not yet so then he slams back down into his real life body and it's like it's time to go uh so like also on the spaceship um we see that Nebula, Mantis, and uh, Drax, they, there's like a whole species of just kids on the uh, spaceship that the High Evolutionary created and he's keeping them in cages. Um, so with that, it's actually a really important scene because like I know at the beginning you said that um, it focuses on one person, the story, but I felt like 
what this did such a great job of is that everybody felt like a main character and Rocket's story was like what pushed everything forward, but everyone had their own plot lines. So like when um, Nebula, Mantis and uh, Drax are arguing, Mantis is like, you don't have the right to push him. Like, even if he is dumb, like we're a family and like we have, and like, it's one of those moments where this was the first movie of the Gardens of the Galaxy where I felt like they were a real family and not just like friends that like teamed up together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely say so. Uh, yeah, so like when it comes to that, you know, you know, family bickering, it, it always happens. And as you mentioned, like the argument on display is like, hey, like, hey, Drax is the dumb one, so like we're all screwed uh, because of you. And like you see, like, hey, Mantis is basically like chastising Nebula because of that. Like, hey, you always like want to blame others for your for all the issues that's happening. Like, hey, maybe take a look in the mirror sometime. Um, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Uh, <laughs> no, I had to had to get that Michael Jackson plug in there. Uh, but but yeah, so like essentially we learned like okay, Drax is able to like take care of these kids. Like they all like gravitate towards him, and then of course they get captured by the High Evolutionary. You know, big big off moment. Uh, but before that, they all like they all overhear Rocket on the communications, and they. Each one of them just like they, they they're like, bro, I love you, man. They're so happy, yeah. Uh, and and a rocket just be rocket. Uh, <laughs> rocket just does his standard rocket uh, shenanigans, being the cool guy and the, the best member of the team. Um, no, no whole bars. Uh, I don't want to hear no slander. And uh and yeah, and of course uh, the the team and well the three of them and plus all the children they pretty much put in cages again yeah and so just kind of moving up to uh the end of the story so we can just get to other parts is that essentially they recruit nowhere uh i forget who the whistle guy is his name craglin so craglin um a well of good good girls cosmo um peter recruits them he says hey we need your help in order to like attack the high evolutionary so they go um to go find their uh friends and crewmates they like they don't even have to rescue them because uh, they all just kind of meet up. Mantis is able to uh, connect with like the animal beast at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And so with that, they're like, oh, we can go. And then they're like, no, we have to save all the, you know, the little kids on the, and other just like species on the ship of the High Evolutionary. <laughs> and then Rocket's like, yo, I'm not running anymore from this guy. I um, mean, we could like actually like feel that moment. And it's like, it's time to go. And they have one of the best like one shot fight scenes in like all of Marvel where they just like completely team up like, oh my gosh, just like take out all the people. And then this is what I mean by the high evolutionary being like a high level op. This is like one of the few times where it's like his own people are like, bro, you are wilding right now. Like, we cannot follow you anymore. We got to take you out because you're going to take us down with you. Uh, like, even with Thanos, like, they were like, oh, Thanos, our Lord, please lead us on. But with this one, it's like, no, you need to stop right now. We're gonna, like, everyone pulled out the gun. He's like, oh, that destruction. Just kill all his people like that. He was like, anybody left, go get eight, nine, P13 for me. Uh, so with that, they are able to fight. They start saving the children, other um, high-level life forms. And then Rocket, he goes back. And then like a really touching moment, he sees like 
kind of just like the cage of animals that he came from. And in the slow pan to it, it shows that it's actually a raccoon. And for the first time in like the entire series, he accepts that he's a raccoon, which is like really cool. And, and he's like getting them, uh, collecting all the other raccoons. And the high evolutionary pulls up. He's like, you're not going anywhere. I need you. How are you the only being that is like so disgusting that is able to like uh, mentally solve things so then like rocket and uh, along with the rest of the crew put the boots to this man <laughs> that's right. all of them there <laughs> like every every character had that had their beef or like their their head towards it i'm like i was like let's go you know yeah yeah so with that uh they're able to save the kids um they're able to save the, all the other animals uh i'm not sure what happens to the evolutionary i'm assuming he blows up in the ship but i don't know one thing that i did see notice is that his technology looked very similar to king's technology um so it'll be interesting to see if that like kind of ties in because we did not see him die in the movie uh so if that everyone is able to escape there's a really cool scene where um peter he like he goes back for uh the court report tape recorder and he doesn't manage to escape because cosmo can't hold the two ships together and then he turns into yondu but then adam warlock who got saved uh he ends up saving uh peter which is a really cool scene and then we get one of the most euphoric, joyful moments that I've had in a long time, where the dog days are over starts playing uh, as the guardians start to go their separate way, but one last time they choose to party. Yeah, so, yeah, essentially at the end, like, the guardians, like, each member tries to split up uh, for various reasons. Of course, Gamora going back to the, uh, going back to the Ravagers, but she has a great moment with with Quill basically like, hey, you know what? This was fun, but I bet you like the original Gamora had as much fun too. And then Quill's like, yeah. And he was like able to truly get that closure with her. And then Quill decided like, hey, I'm going to leave the Guardians so I can return home to find my, find my granddad who I hope is still alive. <laughs> so we can like finally process the grief of losing, losing my mother together. And then you got uh and then you got Nebula who's like going to take on the role of being the mayor of nowhere or being the leader of that crew. And then you have Mantis who decides like, hey, she needs to like do her own thing, you know, go on her own journey of self-discovery, if you will. So she leaves, of course, like causing Drax to just break down crying. So that just lets you know like Hey, despite all the teasing throughout all of the uh, the two the two brain cell IQ plays that he has going on, he he did love her because he wanted to go with her too. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to go with her, but that no, but she denied it because his role is to be a dad to them kids. You know, be be the dad that the high evolutionary won't be the dad that uh be their piccolo. Uh, <laughs> Yes, and and not be their sake, uh, but but going, but but yeah. So like the the team splits up, but before they do, they decide to make Rocket the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy, mm -hmm. and then it cuts to them having a having a nice party, and like you know, they yelling out to the guys like the day is saved. I'm hype, like the whole team is hype. But uh, and then you got yourselves the the post credit scene. Mm -hmm. which consists of two 
Uh, I'm going to touch on the second one first because that one's kind of the least important. It's just Quill reuniting with Grandpa and them just having a dinner to get. I know they were having breakfast, my bad. They just having breakfast, no talking, and then the newspaper just shows like, hey, Kevin Bacon was abducted, and he's recounting the tale. In the but, yeah, but it was also interesting. It said the legendary Star Lord will return, which was interesting because I thought all the Guardians were done. Yeah. yeah that didn't quite make sense, but I don't know. Maybe because, because Star Lord left the Guardians, he's not technically a Guardian anymore, so maybe... I don't know. I don't know what Disney and Marvel series have plans for him. He's probably going to come back in Avengers: The King Dynasty when that show when that shows. I don't know. That's Is that a Secret Wars? So yeah, yeah. And then finally, the other scene is just the new Guardians, which consists of Rocket, a humongous uh, group, <laughs> kaiju group, if you will. <laughs> yes. You got. Good girl Cosmo. I bored Craglin, who finally then leveled up a bit. You got Adam Warlock, and you got his puppy, uh, his puppy alien. I, I think it was called Blurp or something like that. Yes. And then the little girl who I had to look up like who she was, that is Phyla Vale, aka Quasar, aka the I think the third Captain Marvel. No, 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 the fourth Captain Marvel. Basically, she's really, she's powerful, is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, she's the fourth Captain Marvel. All right, yeah. So with that, uh, we kind of just like wrapped up our review. There's like so much more that we can touch on, but now we're gonna get into our awards. Opening up with our first award, we have the op above all, and it can go to no one else than the high evolutionary. High evolutionary, absolutely incredible choice. Um, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but I know that he was in uh, Peacemaker. So James Gunn like bringing over like two of his people because he also had his wife in the movie. Uh, but again, like I said, the high evolutionary, absolute great job of just being like a disgusting villain with reasonable motivations, but he can also back them up. So like his motivation throughout the movie was just to get Rocket's brain. It wasn't necessarily to destroy the world, but he ended up destroying an entire world just because. And just the way that he uh, treated everything like a science experiment, everything was beneath him. And then like the people that were around him were literally things that he created. So of course he's above it. And like in a, he, he was essentially one of the great lines in the movie was like, God doesn't exist. So I had to step in, which was a bar in the movie. Uh, so definitely high evolutionary, you are the op that we've been looking for. You're the op of all, can get you this award. All right, so my, this award is called the one who started all award and that has to go to Peter Quill, Star Lord, Mr. Chris Pratt. You know, I gotta mention those names. So uh, we know, like, we'll have an MCU star with, you know, like with Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man, and, like the way he started the Avengers. That's just how I felt with Chris Pratt. That's why I think, you know, I had this award idea. You know, like he's the one who formed it all. He's the one who started all. 
Uh, he's one of the characters I'm definitely am grateful for. So, um, so yeah, he deserves. So, um, yeah, come, yeah, Starlord, Chris Pratt, come, come get this award. Come, come up. All right. So for my award, it's the Maybe You Were Just Born Dumb Award. This goes up to none other than Drax the Destroyer, because sir. You had the the IQ of a goldfish. You had about three brain cells throughout this entire movie. You, you made decisions that nearly screwed over everybody. Actually, you did screw over uh, Nebula and Mantis by driving them to the location and not being with the ship. So you could, but nah, you just wanted to have the action. Um, and just all the lines you had that you could have kept Quill like in line, but no, you you screwed everything up. You didn't give Mantis her her uh, log nuts. So uh so nah you just 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 get this award. You <laughs> for our next award we have the Down Tremendous Award. So this can go to none other than Peter Quill. Um some of the dialogue that he had to give in this movie was absolutely embarrassing. Um just one that I can think of how he was talking to Gamora and he thought it was a private line, but it was an open line <laughs> and his entire team heard him <laughs> basically begging to get her back, even though that wasn't his Gamora. And just uh, even with that, uh, yeah, just like him opening the movie drunk and things like that, just you were really down bad in this movie. So come get this award, Star-Lord. All right. Uh, my next award is called the Most Improved Award. This award goes to Nebula. Um, Nebula was a character that I hated the most when I first saw her for the first time. I'm just like, can I just get rid of her? You know, I just don't like her. Like, she's very rude. She was evil to begin with, you know. Uh, she could have killed Gamora. I get her past, but I don't know, that's just me. And then, like, I remember, like, Infinity War, when they were talking about who was going to die, I'm just like, she better be one of those characters. But then... Endgame came along, and I was just like, you better not betray them in some way. And she helps him out. And I was just able to see the good in her, you know. And she has a really great character development in this in this film. You know, I, I think I definitely appreciate her a lot, you know. She showed, like, a lot of, like, responsibility, especially, like, the scene where she got a little bit emotional, where, like, Rocket was okay, you know. And just, you know, taking her responsibility. She's, she just seems like, at the end, she was just, like, smiling because she wanted to not only be in charge of nowhere, uh, but to have, she says, you know, I want them to have the home that I never had. So that really just shows how this, a lot of character development, a lot of character growth she has. So Nebula, you, you deserve this. Come, come get this award. All right, so for my next award, it's the We Jumpin' Now Awards. And this award goes to a special series of people who just out here take one person and decide to make them a punching bag for the next all few minutes. This goes to none other than when the Guardians of the Galaxy jumped the high evolutionary because that, that moment went crazy. Uh, each, each member of the Guardians decided to uh, send this man straight to the gulag uh, with Gamora ripping off this man's uh, fake face, revealing what's left of his real one um and yeah that's uh, there's, there's nothing more to say here the guardians they they were on bumpers they had the tims on and they stomped this man out guardians of the galaxy 1.0 come get this award 
All right, so next award is Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. So this is actually going to kind of step outside of the movie and just go to the cast. Um, the way they fought for James Gunn, I, like obviously he tweeted what he tweeted in the past. I don't even actually recall what it is, but the fact that all of them went so hard for him to be like, like, hey, we're not doing this movie. We're not coming back as characters if he doesn't come back. Um, and then even Chris Pratt saying like, hey, you're you're okay with using his script, but you don't want to bring him back. Like, that's not cool. Um, so just the way y'all fought and brought us like a truly incredible movie and truly incredible ending for just like this era in Marvel. Um, teamwork makes streaming. Please come get this award. All right, so my last award code is called The Spotlight is Yours. This one goes to Groot. Um, I think this, this form, this version of Groot, is no doubt my favorite. Um, I wasn't so sure what we were going to get from him, but after I saw that that Guardians holiday special, I'm just like, yo, that's my favorite form right there. And he just had some of the best moments, like I said, you know, like the, the gun scene, you know. And then at the end, he just says... Not, not I am Groot, but I love you guys. I'm just like, let's go Groot, you know? Like, Groot's my favorite Guardian, but I think he just deserves this. So yeah, Groot, come, come get this award. And Groot now has seven words in his vocabulary. All right, so for my last award, it's also one that goes outside of the regular scope, but it's music for the soul. And this award goes to none other than the entire uh, soundtrack for this film because it is it has been just bangers from start to finish, uh, from volume one all the way through to now. Like every single movie had bangers, songs like I I have and I will continue to put on my playlist that I'll just listen to and jam to in the car that I'll just listen to when I'm working or I'll just listen to when I'm working out. And yeah, it's just. So many great things in this movie, so much in terms of just original songs as well as just the score that comes in. So, hey, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, come get this award for Music for the Soul. All right, and thank you all for holding our applause to the end. Now we can get into our tiers of the movie. All right, so our tiers of the movie is based on uh on based on space themed movies. So in terms of S tier, we have Avatar. Uh, yes, please come after me in the comments. I I will be awaiting you. And then for our D tier, you have Space Jam because although it has some space things, it's not really a space movie. And then for our C tier, you have Spaceballs. For our B tier, you have Interstellar. For A tier, you have Star Trek, The Next Generation. And then for S tier, The Goat of the Goats, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. So, what are you guys giving this movie? Um, so, the first two times, I wasn't the hugest fan. But I think the third time made it a little bit better, you know? So... Uh, the first Guardians is, is my favorite out of three. But I think this movie... I feel like after thinking about it a little bit more, I think it belongs in the B tier, in my opinion. I just didn't feel the emotions that I thought and expected it to, but it was still a good end to the movie, you know? Um, so that's why I give it. Okay. Um, all right, so um, when it 
I was going through the movie, I was like, man, this feels like an S. And this was halfway through the movie. And I was like, I, I, I can't give it an S because we're literally going to get Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and then The Flash coming up. And I was like, I, I can't give out three S-tier movies. And then it reached the end of the movie. And I was like, this is an S-tier movie. Like there is, in my opinion, there was like nothing that I would change. Nothing wrong with the movie. Um, And here's the thing. I didn't have any expectations coming into the movie other than like, we're going to know Rocket's backstory, did not know who the villain was, like any of that. And just like the emotions they went through, again, just like from a storytelling perspective, this is the best movie that I've, like superhero movie I've seen since Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, So I have to give it an S tier. Mm-hmm. Funny. I think this is the first time where we all gave it a different score. So for me, I'm giving it none other than the Avatar way. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. I actually give it a Star Trek The Next Generation. I like it is a great movie. It is a phenomenal movie. And like you, I I'm not going to give like multiple S tier movies just back to back. And also, I rarely give out S tier movies anyways. And I just save that for the goats of goats. Um, And I know I'm going to be giving one out like the, the next time you see me. Um. And when it comes to that, like, again, it was a great movie, um, but the fact I gave multiple, and I mean multiple fake-out deaths, and just for him to not follow through with any of them kind kind of just, just irked me a little bit, irked me in my dark side a bit. I'm like, bro, can we at least get one? Get one, kick the bucket? But no. Sicko. Yes, yes, I am. And <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad to accept it. But yeah, like it's a great movie overall. So yeah, I'm giving it an A tier. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're gonna get into our sponsor for the day and then go into our deep dive. All right. For today's sponsor, we have none other than the citizenry of nowhere. If please come join our celestial head and become a member of this fine community. We have ourselves uh, many different institutions that you may uh, employ, such as being a barmaid, being a teacher for a school full of children, you can be an animal handler, you can even be a guardian of the galaxy. Please come join our citizenry today and expect that uh, we will get invaded at least twice a week. All right, coming back. So a lot of like what I really enjoyed about this movie was just like the power of family and then also just accepting who you are, kind of just like with Pete, what he had to go through in this movie and then what uh, Rocket accepting like for the first time calling himself Rocky Raccoon and then just like his past and what happened to him. So just like anything, you know, the importance of found family or beloved family is kind of what we want to get into for our deep dive. So what do you guys got? Well, I know like for me, uh, like pretty much family is deeply important. You know, um, I think like there's an aspect where you no know, blood family is important, but also at the same time, found family is, I say arguably is just as important sometimes in, for like certain scenarios for certain people. It may actually be more so because of the fact like, hey, your blood family can be absolute trash looking at you Thanos um and there may be scenarios where where like you can uh and like like you may find yourself with groups and these groups like elevate you to a higher level than you even you yourself thought you can do 
Um, and that's kind of the case with a rocket, how like he always like kind of semi downplayed himself throughout the previous movies, but in this case, but like for Quill and everybody to fight that hard for this man and then make him the leader of the Guardians lets you know just how just how much like he really needed that. And then again, like him accepting that he's a raccoon, him accept him not running away from the high evolutionary, but going for the smoke head first. Uh, and, and then, and that's just, and that's just on Rocket's end. Like every single member of the Guardians had that family type moment, uh, as we mentioned when it came to Nebula, Drax, and Mantis. And, but then there's also Quill going back home to see his granddad. I think that, and trying to mend things there and to, cause grief uh but i really just love the aspect of just hey no matter what you have whether it's found family or blood family it's gonna be dysfunctional <laughs> but at the end of the day it's it's still in love yeah something that was just like really incredible and like i took from real life is that ending where all of them were like hey we, we need to go our separate ways or we need to go like down this path that's like best for me. And like a lot of us in life go through those different moments. Like one thing is like graduation from high school, um, where it's just like, I'm going to this college, I'm going to this college, I'm going to the workforce and then kind of like with college and just like different life events where it's like, the thing is just because, you know, we're going our separate ways, especially with the found family, doesn't mean that I hate you. Doesn't mean that like we're not friends anymore. Things are going to be different, but it doesn't mean that we have to like it like it's over. And I think that's like something that was just like really touching um, and that people could connect with. Um, and again, like I mentioned, to me, this was the first time where the Guardians felt like a real family family to me uh, and how they addressed that and just like the interactions that they had were absolutely incredible. So I think that's again, really incredible so just like going to that with acceptance any thoughts you guys have um i feel like they were kind of family like when it hit like volume two but i think you kind of get give it a good point you know like when it comes to like going separate ways like i kind of thinking about like just in life you know like you know like certain friendships you know certain relationships how people like to call it um like sometimes those those not not gonna last forever as you're hoping to uh, i i know i've learned my lessons of that and sometimes i just i just feel like you just gotta appreciate for what it was and to try and move on and find new friendships that last longer so that's my take hmm. yeah i do agree with those statements uh in terms of like accepting like things like hey, that they aren't where they are or they aren't where they were anymore. I think uh, when it comes to that, you know, there, there, there are a myriad of situations where you, you can think about like, hey, the what ifs, like, hey, what if this hadn't happened or what if I had gone down this path with you or what if I had gone down that path without you? Uh, there's just, just many things like we can always hindsight is always twenty twenty. We can always think about like all the what ifs and just seeing where things are. But at the end of the day, that's not really healthy for anybody. Uh, like you can, as, and I've mentioned this a few other times on the podcast, I've been there for random intervals. Like you can look at the past, but 
You can't keep your eyes fixated on the past. You can't keep focus on the past. You have to look at things from the present and the future as well. Yeah. And just like what I really enjoyed also was like with Peter's uh, story, like he could have gone down the Bowser route where it's just like you stay down tremendous. But with that, um, the advice that he got throughout the movie, one of them being just like what Gamora said, where she is like, what is it about me or whatever you like you're holding on that you need to hold on to that you like can't accept within yourself was just like dang where it's just like holding on to that that past relationship that past Gamora that he knew like he really need, felt like he needed it desperately to like you know in order to move on and he couldn't get that so then when um, Mantis was like hey you're on a lot of lily pads you need to learn how to swim when he's at the end of the movie he's like hey I need to leave the guardians he's learning how to swim for like the first time in his life which was really impactful and then just with Rocket where he's like Rocket Raccoon and accepting like the what happened to him was horrible and but he's he's above that now um so that that was really cool so any anything else and we or we can just transition yeah I think you pretty much touched on a lot of it like this is definitely like one of those like this this movie just really touched on a lot of things and it's really uh and and yeah just hey if there's any life lessons that you can learn is gotta gotta first accept yourself like you gotta be willing like be willing to accept like hey this is like who i am right now i may not need to stay this way uh but hey gotta accept who you are so all right so going into our bigger marvel marvel discussion but also a therapy session for you ron um we're gonna hit the first part first where where does marvel go next so at some point we're gonna get loki season two and also secret invasion but then uh the next movie that comes out this year the marvels november 10th i'm actually looking very forward to that one after the first trailer that dropped um so that's what we have to look forward to with phase five but Ron, what was your issue with Phase Four? I think it's just you know a lot of projects. I think how people say it, quantity over quality, and I think just you know people not. I feel like they were rushing towards some of these projects. Like I think some of them, I think there was an article that talked about I think for Ant Man and Wasp Quantumania where the visual effects were either rushed or weren't done. I can't remember what it was. And I think that's the reason why they delayed the Marvels maybe. But I think they rushed a lot of these projects so that way they could release it, obviously through Disney Plus platforms. Uh, I think lack of writing, you know, like I said, were very rushed. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say everything from phase four was bad, you know? Uh, I mean, there were some good moments, I feel like, from Phase 4. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll touch base on the movies, you know. Obviously, we had Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, that's top five comic book tier, in my opinion. Uh, and then, in my opinion, I feel like Internals was a great movie. I know a lot of people did not like it, but I feel like I enjoyed it for what it was. And then Black Panther will kind of forever. Uh, just touching, I like the emotions there with, you know, with what happened with Chadwick, obviously, and you know, just kind of like those cast members, you know, putting all their heart and soul to that film. That's just something that I really appreciate about. Um, the other films were either like okay or those mediocre. 
like I feel like some there could be some that have good potential, like for example, like Black Widow. I don't think it was a terrible film. I just think there's two things about it. It was placed at the wrong time. This should be a phase three film because based on the timeline. And I think just the villains is was just not well done in that film. So I think that would be that. I'm hoping phase five can take their time with this. And, you know, I know they're kind of focusing on that, but also focusing on like how like feedback, you know, like we always have to, we always need to hear that feedback. And I think I'm hoping as fans itself can really hear this and make some adjustments. Oh, oh, cool. Again, we mentioned in one of the podcasts where the Disney Plus series, where it felt like work, having to keep up with everything. Yeah, I mean, like, there was there was some shows like WandaVision, Loki, and The Falcon, The Winter Soldier that were really good, but I feel like some of them just, they, I don't know how to really say, they could have, they just could have done better, I feel like, uh, like, um, I said for like, you know, maybe they could have done better CGI and storyline. Um, unlike certain shows, um, <clears throat> um, so that's just my opinion. All right, Nate, you got anything? I see you're about to do a death theme again. Huh? Oh, oh, um, and I was like, please don't say what, what I think you're gonna say. I like, I, I enjoyed She Hulk for what it was. Um, but uh, I think like. In terms of just everything, I, one thing I actually did want to ask was like, if, if, do you think like we've reached the point of superhero fatigue? I feel like we have. If if some of these movies are not going to be as great as before, you know, like I feel like at some point it's gonna like there's gonna be some movies where like we're walking and we'd be like, this may not do good, and we might meet our expectations that this movie doesn't do do good, then we might start to lose fan base, you know? Uh, I know I'm starting to feel a little bit of that um, recently. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Mishi and I talked about it before with that, but I know that just like, even like what I was talking about, where it's like, uh, where what am I gonna rank the movie? Even though like we, you can kind of get past ranking the movies since, since we just do it because it's a pod and it's a thing to do. But like, once we hit June, it's literally like, Spider-Man, and then two weeks later is The Flash. <laughs> so, like, and then we hit August, and it's Blue Beetle. And then we hit November, um, and then that's the Marvels. And December, I think, may or may not be Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. So, like, that's, like, four or five superhero movies alone, and that's not even counting Secret Invasion or any other DC shows or movies that come out. So, yeah, that's, that's a lot to do. Yeah, you forgot Craven the Hunter, which I'm we even purposefully <laughs> There's no way that's coming out this year. I mean, they already said that, but I'm just thinking about okay, the next two films should be good. I'm hoping, but then I'm looking at the last four comic book films. I'm like, could these even do well? Like, I'll just go a little by little. I mean, Blue Beetle, we don't know much about this character. A little bit, maybe. Uh, it could be good. Um, Craven the Hunter, I know Meech, you just said, you know, we don't have to cover, but based on what I'm hearing from this film, it's not really good. Uh, I think I hear, like, Craven the Hunter in this movie is an animal lover, which in the comics, he's not an animal lover, obviously. He's a hunter. He kills it. That's why he's called 
Quaid and the Hunter, which does not make any sense. And then you got the Marvels, which I think a lot of people are backlash in this film. I mean, the first one didn't do that well, and I think people are expecting this one to not do that well. And then Aquaman the Lost Kingdom. I'm like, with everything that has happened with this film, like with Amber Heard and this the things with Johnny Depp, you know, and this the delays, you know, DC's doing their new thing and their new changes, you know. And then I'm hearing about test screens that it was so bad, some people were walking off. So now this movie may not do well, you know, unless so maybe Amber back in the film. Was that Amber Heard's back in the film? Back film. Um, so yeah, I'm just thinking like after June, like if everything comes together, you know, like we start we start enjoying these again. What about those next four? And what if those all fail? Then <laughs> it's it's really about to be a lot of like frustration from the fans. Yeah, um, that's a good point because like with Aquaman, let's put it like this. Um, Kong, Godzilla versus Kong already has a teaser and it comes out next year. Aquaman is supposed to come out in December and we haven't seen anything yet. So let's think about that for a second. That tells you how they feel about that movie. Um, and that's a great point you made where it's just like up and down. Cause like, we're going to stick with kind of Marvel, but like DC essentially told us that we're not supposed to care about them until 2025. So it's kind of tough from that perspective. But what do we want to see next in Marvel? Um, besides what I pointed out. Um, I think certain characters that we saw in the beginning of phase four, hopefully we can see them again soon. You know, um, like I mean, I know like the Captain America Sam Wilson, we'll get his film next year, but like certain characters like you know, like Kate Bishop, you know, like Doctor Strange, uh America Chavez. And um, I can't think of any more characters. Like, we saw them like a year or two ago. And I'm like, when are we going to see these characters again? Are we going to see them in Avengers of Kane Dynasty or before that, you know? Because uh, I feel like there needs to be some character development from some of these characters, even the ones I haven't named before we see them. Because, I mean, we don't even know when who's going to be the main six Avengers. We don't know that yet. So we don't want to go in a... Kane Dynasty kind of feeling blank in a way. That's fair. Meech? Um, well, let's see. Firstly, I, I, need, I need my boy Matt Murdock. Uh, I, need, I need my boy uh, John Bernthal, Punisher. I, 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 need, I need everybody from the Netflix shows back. Um, I'm just saying that right now. Uh, but then, as, as you mentioned, we need like more appearances from like the, from the newer characters who did get introduced. Uh, just because just their one film, and we've gone like years at this point without seeing them again. Uh, so it's just like, bro, where are they at? Uh, I'm I'm just hoping and praying that like these movies, that the movies that they have released are going to be good. Um, I pr I pray that Blade film gonna be successful. I I, I pray for my soul it's it's successful. I, I literally hear nothing good about the Blade film. Every time, like, they say something, it's always a delay or someone's, like, annoyed as an actor and stuff like that. Like, every news that comes out about Blade is never good. Again, that's why I say I pray it's successful because I'm just like, listen, if if this, if this that movie flops, 
for the black audiences, it's over. It is a wrap. It is a wrap because I I don't know if we can take another Black Panther film. I don't know if emotionally we can take another Black Panther film. Uh, yeah. And as like with the superhero thing, I just hope that uh, like as I mentioned before, like in another season, like hey, take a break. Of course they won't. I know they will, but like y'all can y'all definitely have enough bread and residuals to to be able to hold off for at least a year. I mean, they're doing a lot of layoffs now. Completely forgot about that part. Uh, <laughs> but but yes, yeah, so like y'all, they they definitely need to do something, get it together. As said, I need my Netflix characters back. I need uh I need that Ironheart series to be successful. I need that Blade. Blaze movie to be successful, um, and and yeah, that's that's all I got for right now. And also, where's Spider Man? <laughs> Spider Man, like, when is the next time we're gonna see him? Because I think they're talking about making a four one, but I'm like, if they are, it's not. I don't. It's I doubt it's gonna come out next year. It needs to come out probably before King Dynasty, so 2025 maybe. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, that's a character I'm like, you know, he needs to show up soon before then. Yeah, I mean, Meech, hear me out. Secret Wars is coming up, and we know what happens with Spider-Man in Secret Wars. <laughs> that depends on if they're going with that version of Secret Wars, because there's two. That's true. that's true. And since we're in the multiverse saga, I think they're going with the second version. You're right. Like, right. They do incorporate a uh, version from the first one, and they they get they get me my boy. Uh, I, I I need Venom. I need Venom. I need him here. I need him now. I my my body needs him, and I need this movie to be successful. Uh, I, I I need Venom to be Venom three to be out here wild and now. I need that one to be successful. Uh, I don't I don't need it to be successful because I need it to be successful. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. So with that, Ron, I know you had a fan theory that you wanted to share. Yes, and this time I came prepared, unlike last time I was on the show. Okay, so uh, we're going to touch on Pokemon. So I think, so, well, not I think. So one of the complaints and one of the questions and concerns we have about Pokemon for so many years is Ash Ketchum being 10 years old every episode. And I think we're just like, unless it's like every day he's doing these missions, there's no way he can be 10 years old for a while. But I thought about it more and I saw something that could make sense. So the first episode of Pokemon, you know, um, Ash Ketchum is, is electrocuted by, I forgot the Pokemon name, I'm blanking Pikachu? it. Not Pikachu. Um, like it, it, it was raining, you know, it was like a flying Pokemon character. I would have to look him up. Oh, well, you talking about when he saw Ho or you talking about when he got electrocuted by Pikachu, who saved him from a bunch of Spiro? Spiro, maybe that was what it was the lightning, the lightning Pokemon character. That was. Was that? That's not in the first one. Was it not? Well, he got electrocuted or something. I can't remember. Pikachu. <laughs> maybe. Okay, yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was Pikachu. I don't know. It's been a very long time, but. I'm thinking, you know, I know Ash Ketchum wakes up, but what if he's been in a dream this entire time? 
Like, what if Ash Ketchum has been in a coma for all these years? Like, think about it, you know? Because I'm, because in a way, it would make sense if he's in a coma he, and he's like sleeping all through all this and he's imagined. But what if like Misty and Brock and like all these like characters, you know, like Team Rocket, they they never existed. That was just all a dream. That's just something to considerate on that. Exactly. That's the third depressing like Pokemon fan theory we got. <laughs> that, that's actually really depressing. I mean, I mean it's it's either that or the theory I like, which is because he saw Ho, the Ho gives him his greatest fan his greatest wish and his wish is that he uh eternally young and but still the pokemon master so uh oh, he almost got hit with the infinite sukiyomi i mean hey it, it's either that or because I, I i don't want this man to be in a in a coma for the rest of his life i don't i don't want like the i don't want him going through everything to basically become him in silent hill basically because that's basically what the dream theory is like yeah he is in silent hill wow all right, thanks, Ron. That's actually something to consider. I, I hope that's not real, but that's actually a good point, age-wise. You need to grow up, Ash, <laughs> and we miss you. But moving forward, now we get into our one of our favorite segments is Come Get Your Rose. Uh, so this is just like an appreciation to, you know, an actor, a writer, a creator, a director, anything that just kind of like we want to give uh, props to. And the only person that we can give it to based on this episode is James Gunn. Um, James Gunn, he is one of the directors who has an absolute vision of what he wants to create. Uh, the trilogy for like Guardians of the Galaxy, definitely just like one of the best teams, one of the most out of nowhere um, teams for like me personally, it's like seeing, cause like when Guardians of the Galaxy first came out, the first one, it was like, who are these people? And then that volume was absolutely incredible and everything like people just fell in love with the Guardians and to see their progression throughout uh, just the entire MCU is absolutely incredible. And we know you're going to do great things in DC. Like when I got out of volume three, I was like, yo, DC is getting this as they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So anything you guys got? Yeah, I just I just want to just want to piggyback off you real quick to talk about this man. Um, this man, James Gunn, he, he, an absolute goat, he absolute legend, you know, uh, he, he definitely like, he gave us, you know, gardens of the galaxy. He like, come on. He gave like, as you mentioned, a relatively unknown team. Well, specifically that version of the team is unknown because like he, he didn't, uh, like it, like that lineup with Groot, Peter Quill, all of them. That was specifically from the movie. And then they rolled it over the comic because it was a completely different lineup. So the fact that this man went and created a basically the definitive version of that lineup goes to show how amazing this man is. And then, of course, there's the other different films that he was a part of. Like, you know, he, he gave us Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. gave us the, the Scooby-Doo movie. He gave us the horror movie slither he gave us right burn come on son. He, he gave us the belco experience he gave us the suicide squad he gave us the suicide squad one of the best well i mean out of the two it's the best uh the best version of suicide squad come on now peacemaker yeah he gave us peacemaker 
Come on. He he definitely and he wrote thirteen ghosts. Like he 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 is in both the superhero bag and the horror bag. He gave us some of my favorite horror movies. Oh no, nah, you definitely he no nah, no nah, come get this rose for me. I'm taking it now. Right. Yeah, uh, I definitely appreciate him a lot. You know, um, just making these characters, you know, um, and just not just bringing them to my life, but everyone else's lives, you know. I think you kind of touched base on it. Um, we we didn't know how good this movie was going to be. Like the first film, we didn't know. But now I look back and I, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that. So um, I definitely wish him the best uh, in D.C., and you know, I hope um, he does what he can he can for the fans. Yeah, and just like the way he incorporated music into Volume One, that like that first trailer, I think is what really made people like, oh, okay, we can connect in this way, and what made it stand out. So with that, James Gunn, thanks so much for what you did to Marvel, um, helping all those actors, just like the family that you built with them in that bond. And again, we look forward to what we're doing with DC. Uh, what you're going to do in DC. So with that, we're wrapping up the show. Any recommendations that you guys have? Yeah, uh, I think we, we something that you mentioned about the movie a little bit was like Rocket's backstory that is kind of from the game. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy game, um, that's another thing uh, to recommend, you know, I think on every platform, it's very fun. Um, I was able to finish that game a year ago when I first got, so that's a recommendation there. Yeah, absolutely incredible, Meech. Yeah, and I'm just getting into my uh, my James Gunn bag. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of these movies, uh, if you haven't watched the Scooby-Doo movie at this point, you I assume you have to be under the age of five. Um, go go watch the movie, just, just stop, stop playing yourself. Um, the, the original O2 movie, just fantastic. And then watch Brightburn, watch watch just just James Gunn just producing the mess out of that movie, and then watch uh, the Suicide Squad on Disney. I mean, not Disney Plus, HBO Max. I'm I'm like whoa whoa whoa. I'm, I'm crossing universes just like James Gunn. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely just watch all these, and then as I said, watch the Guardians of the Galaxy on Disney Plus. Uh, and and also the other. Uh, also the other MCU films he had a hand in, which was Thor 2, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man Homecoming. So then also just uh, the Christmas special and then the group, like, miniseries of shorts on Disney Plus that you can watch if you want more of that Guardians fix. And then, like Mitch said, you can get into the comics and see that Agent Venom run with the Guardians, which is very goaded as well. So moving forward, uh, what we can expect next week, we're planning to have a uh, debut, a new segment that uh, it's called a Deconstruction Reconstruction. Um, we did it for Fantastic Four 2015, which is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. <laughs> and somehow we managed to get a four-part series, which was like, I don't know how we stumbled into that, but it was absolutely a fun episode. Uh, we're going to get the daughter of Ferrix, the high Sith Lord herself. Um, so that's going to be super fun uh, and look forward to that. So anything else you got for plugs, Mitch? Uh, yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I just want to, again, just... Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Just please uh, come support us on Patreon. And 
and going into that now, let's get into the actual plugs. So we got to our Instagram and our Twitter under Blurty22. Come give us uh, a follow and check. And check uh, all bells so you can receive all notifications for any content that comes out. We have ourselves our YouTube page under Blurred City Pod. That's where you can, uh, and that's where you can also view the podcast as well. And then you have ourselves our Patreon, which is also under Blurred City Pod. Again, I highly, strongly encourage you guys to to join our citizenry on there. And then we have our Discord page under our Instagram page. The link to that is in the Instagram. Uh, please come join. Again, join the citizenry. Join our crew. And then finally, we have our email, which is blurredcity22 at gmail.com. That's where we uh, receive suggestions for different content and receive like different uh, questions for any OVA or mailbag episodes. So please, please, please come and join us and kick off season three with a bang. And then finally, for personal pages, I'm the Rogue Jedi 21 on TikTok. I posted out of pocket content and should be posting content on there again, especially considering I'm prepping for a uh, comic palooza. And then finally, also, if you guys want to listen to another podcast after you're done listening to this one and you want some more content from your boy, check out the Ravens of Everkeep podcast on YouTube, where you learn about uh, the comic book Vanish by Donnie Case and Ryan Stegman and just hear the previews from from people who were in on the creation process for that series. So that's all I had for mine. Yep. And for my individual author pages, you can catch me at Instagram at Mitri underscore dash. So M-E-T-R-I underscore D-A-S-H for my Twitter at the Matt Dash 16. And if you're interested in buying my book, Phantom Pains, and most regular tell, you can catch that on Amazon. And I am planning on releasing the sequel late winter of this year. All right. Uh, so as usual, leave with words of encouragement. Ron, what do you have for the people? Yeah, so uh, my words of encouragement, I would just say is, you know, um, you want to come up with something big, you know, uh, believe in yourself and create your own destiny. Uh, don't feel failure. So I don't. So the dog days are over, Blurred City Denizens, and just like the Guardians said to each other, it's not goodbye forever, it's just goodbye for now. And that's the Blurred City Podcast. See ya later.